hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark... Persia. Mark Hershon. Hello, listener. Glad you're here. I'm Mark Hershon, as stated so eloquently by our booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, here to present episode 295 of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. Before I get into what's in store this week, did you happen to catch last week's Epi 294 with my punctual and well-read co-host Tyson Sainer? Well, he brought the heat, I tell ya, with clips from a trio of shows, including Wheel of Randy, a Randy Newman podcast, Podcast Killed the Video Star, and The Hollywood Experience. If you missed it, run, don't walk, to download or stream it from any of the wonderful distribution points on the World Wide Web, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, YouTube, SoundCloud, Audible, and many others, including our home site, SuckatashShow.com, where you'll find a blog entry for every show we've done for the past 10 years and 11 months with clickable links to the shows and the social media accounts for the hosts and many of the guests. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the international clown fiesta that Vladimir Putin is orchestrating on the people of Ukraine. There's not much that we as the hosts of a comedy soundcast can do to actively help the situation, but we do stand in support of the people and country of Ukraine, and just as we're no longer distributing Succotash via that streaming service that Neil Young doesn't like, we also will not feature clips from any comedy soundcast produced in Russia. It's not much, but it's what we've got to offer. All right, enough of that. Let me take your mind off the troubles of the day with the distraction of a quartet of soundcast clips that we have never featured before. Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart, Hypochondriactor, The Extra Mundane with Max West, and a brand new offering on the pod waves entitled Let's Make a Sci-Fi. We're also brought to you this week as usual by Henderson's Pants and their Scavenger Slacks. That's not all. As they used to say on the Ginsu Knife and Ronco Pocket Fisherman ads on TV, I'm introducing a new thing on the show this week. San Francisco-based comedian Dan St. Paul, a friend of the show whose work we featured back in episode 211, started a blog a while back during the pandemic lockdown called Slices. He writes up these funny essays and thought pieces about the absurdities of life. I've been suggesting he think about recording them and get them out there somehow, and then it hit me. Hey! I have a soundcast, a comedy soundcast. Dan could play them on our show. So, Dan cut his first one this week, and we added in some music and some sound effects along the way. I'm going to play it for you right now. It's called the No Tube Alternative. See what you think. We went through a remodel last year. It took the better part of two months and several iffy Airbnbs till we could move back in. We were generally happy with the result, and a neighborhood couple planning their own remodel came to see the updates and pick our brains about finding the right contractor. Months later, they invited us over to inspect their home's new facelift. 
they revealed their new floors as we ooed like the studio audience on The Price is Right. We awed as they displayed a large drawer filled with plates and bowls. I thought, wow, that's a great idea. This is going to come in very handy when you get too old to reach the cupboard. After touring the kitchen and living room, they guided us into what was formerly the family room. They explained it had been converted into a dining room since they don't watch TV. The phrase stood out. We don't watch TV. It wasn't stated aristocratically. It was simply a matter of fact. No hint of snobbery. Yet, as we approached the new master bedroom, I kept repeating the phrase in my head. We don't watch TV. I'd never heard those words spoken in that order. It stumped me, like she had suddenly started speaking a foreign language. Even though it was a a harmless remark, I felt somewhat demeaned, as if she had remarked, we don't eat our own poop. Now, I know most people do, but we find it a waste of time. I know we're in the minority. Lots of people come home from work and the first thing they do is plop down on the living room couch and eat their own poop. We just seem to get along fine without it. While walking home, Kara and I discussed their decision not to own a TV. How do they do it? I asked. First, there's sports. I could not adequately enjoy life without watching baseball. I could try it, but I'd always be searching for scoring updates and highlights. I'd be calling friends. Hey, could I FaceTime your TV for a couple of innings? If you suddenly proclaimed no more TV, it would lead to an ultimatum, told Kara. Listen, honey, it's either you or the Giants, and I've been into them since I was nine. I'm also very fond of British crime procedurals. I think of all those actors and the years they put in at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, learning iambic pentameter and stage combat, only to be cast as a bumbling shopkeeper on the Inspector Lindley Mysteries. How dare I ignore their efforts? These dedicated thespians provide an indispensable service. When a working stiff returns home after a long slog in the mines, he needs an escape. He wants to be assured, yeah, I had a shitty day, but at least I wasn't falsely accused of multiple murders. Kara, also a Giants fan, could not survive without Survivor. She's never late for a tribal council. She's especially nourished when a despised contestant is booted off the island. She suddenly becomes a zealous Julius Caesar in the Colosseum giving the thumbs down to a conniving personal trainer from Denver. That bitch had to go. The truth is, I don't like these folks any more or any less because they don't watch TV. They're just different. I know she's retired and gardens a lot. She has a beautiful front yard. In fact, she makes passion fruit caramels with homegrown passion fruit. I had them. They're delicious. But once the yard is tended to, and the second batch of caramels have been folded into small squares of wax paper, what then does she do? I pictured them sitting at their dining room table, drinking green tea while listening to Japanese koto music. 
tranquil and buried in their books. Their imaginations transporting them to Arundhati Roy's India or Isabel Allende's Chile. I like to read too, but I know of this technology where the characters of a book actually jump off of the page and onto a screen right in front of you. And I find it captivating. Have you seen it? If so, were you not enchanted? Or did you dismiss it out of hand? You consider it some kind of evil magic. If you look at it too long, lasers will spear your chest and melt your body like the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones. What about keeping up on current affairs? What do they do about that? Are they reading the internet? If so, well, what's the difference between one screen and another? I guess maybe the rationale is that the internet is not like TV, but rather a book that you can read on a screen. But if something starts to animate on a website, what do they do then? Do they immediately shut down the computer, taking no chance of being speared by a laser? At any rate, next time we meet, I'll make sure not to say, hey, how about the game last night, huh? Have you been watching what's going on in Ukraine? Or... So what have you been binging lately? I certainly won't mention that we have newly mounted TVs in our bedroom and office. We already have one in the living room and our son Roy has one on his wall too. Yep, I'm happy to proclaim that we are a proud family of poop eaters. There's the first entry into the audio realm from Dance St. Paul's Slices blog. You can read that one and more than three dozen more at danstpaul.substack.com. It's a lot going on there. You can find that link at our home site, succotashshow.com. You can also follow Dan at Dan St. Paul, D-A-N-S-T-P-A-U-L on Twitter. Let me know what you thought. Drop a note to marc at succotashshow.com or hit me up at succotashshow on Twitter or Instagram and tell me what you thought of it. I think we're going to work up another one by the next time I'm back with episode 297. And this is confidential, so don't spread it around. But Dan is in talks with Succotash Patch Productions to possibly release his own soundcast based on his Slices essays. So keep that under your hat. That was tasty. How about a few soundcast servings next? I don't think it's my imagination that Kevin Hart seems to be everywhere these days. He's got a series on Netflix called True Story. He's developing a hip-hop animated project for HBO Max. He was even in a Super Bowl commercial. His soundcast comedy Gold Mines, M-I-N-D-S, has been going for a while now where he deep dives into the brains of well-known comics to find out what makes them tick. I clipped his chat with David Spade from a few weeks back from a part of the convo where they get into what starting on the stand-up stage was like. Here's the crazy thing. This is where I start to think like, you know, not to sound corny. It's going to sound corny, but I don't want to sound corny. So I apologize for knowing that this is going to sound corny. It's okay. But it's where you just start to feel like you're a chosen one, mm. right? And, and by chosen one, I mean it's untraditional, unconventional, and unpredictable, yeah. right? And what seems like all the wrong decisions sometimes for some people lead to the right decision. And that right decision of discovery of, oh my God, I love this. Um, I suffered from what you seem to have suffered from as well, which was I'm doing it 
but I don't love it. Yeah. Right? I'm I'm in this thing and I'm doing it. And a lot of people suffer from this, but they don't love it. And there's such a fulfilling, fulfilling feeling that comes with doing something that you love. There's there's an excitement. Like you talked about it when you said, you know, there's a the the energy. Like there's a oh my God, the stand-up thing. You wanted to do yeah, it. it got me Somebody excited. else fell off, but you're like, fuck that. Like I'm I like this thing. I love this thing. And when you give something your all, you see the benefit and the payoff from it. So when when did stand-up get your all? When did you commit to to giving it all of you? Well, listen, I I got um I was hooked from that first night when I tried it and I was never accused of being any good. And that took a while. Like what's a while. Give me, give me a time frame for a while. Loving it didn't mean I was good at it. It just meant I had some potential. And, uh, I, I tried it when I was like, you know, 18 and a half, I was pretty young and I couldn't get into some of these clubs. And then 19, I would say by 19, I knew that was it. I was, I said, I'm going to do this good or bad. I just have to do this. And the problem is, a lot of people don't have the luxury. I was scrimping so hard that it was okay. If I could make 20 bucks at, a, at an open mic here or 20, if I did a set here for gas money, if I could really just skim by, I would be okay. I didn't have any lofty goals. So it's hard to say it's, it's just so hard to chase your dreams. If they're so far fetched sometimes, you know, because you just don't know. And I just said, there's no choice. This is what I like. I got to do it. And I just kept doing it. And you know, when you, when you grind it out and try and you like something, you do better. And listen, I never liked my jobs. Of course, no one really does. It's very, it, it's work. But um, with that, as you know, it's sort of less work because thinking of a new idea for standup is like one of the funnest things in life. When you think of something, you crack a code of like going, oh, fuck, this could work. And then those are the few moments in life that are still fun. How, 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 how? Matter of fact, it shouldn't be how. When, 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 when did you... <laughs> Tap into the space where you said, this is now my career. I can support myself off of this. What was the defining moment Yeesh. that money was attached to the craft? I can quit my job. I can stop doing everything else. David Spade is now going to be a stand-up comic. <laughs> I have an announcement. Yeah, I have a stand-up. And everyone freaks out. Um, these, are, these are informative, David. I have to ask you these questions. I know. I don't mind the questions. I'm trying to think if there's an answer. Here's the crazy thing. It's not just for my listeners, it's for me. That's why I do this podcast, man. I have, a, I have a high level of love and interest for understanding those that share the same thing that I share, a love for it. Like, I, what was your journey? So I want to know, like, when did you get to, when did you get to the place where you said, fuck that, this is it? Yeah, I think when I, um, it was earlier than I thought because I was at Arizona State and I wasn't doing well in school because of the, uh, because of the, fraternity which wasn't a bad thing it just that was my choice but once i finished that in a semester i said i don't even want to go back to school i just want to chase this other thing and um i chased stand-up and i think that was it now it didn't mean i made enough money it took a long time i always mm -hmm. had another job i was a valet and then i was this and that worked at the skateboard shop and then i was trying to get road work but maybe make 400 a week uh, doing an opening or middling and then it just took forever to break in. And then I got to LA probably two years when I was 20. Okay. Still wasn't doing well, but was doing the improv. Got a movie, got a small part in a movie because I was the improv. Okay. And I just didn't look like everyone. It was really not, I was the best. It was, oh my God, this kid can play a high school kid. 
There are quite a few back episodes of Comedy Gold Mines to mine, so to speak, all with comedians you know or at least have heard of, so download a few and keep them handy for those long drives or plane trips we're finally able to start taking again. Ah. Fans and friends of Succotash know that I am a nut for any soundcasts that come out of the funny factory that is Kelly and Kelly Productions. This sounds serious, Dexter Guff is smarter than you, and just scads of other crazy satirical stuff they pump out. It's all comedy gold. Flip back to Succotash Epi 221 for my chat with Pat Kelly and Peter Oldring, two of the main brains behind those shows, to learn more about how the humor sausage is made. Now they're presenting Let's Make a Sci-Fi, and this is a show that's different than a lot of their mock-you-style products. It's the eight-part adventure of three comedy writers, Ryan Beal, Maddie Kelly, and Mark Chavez, and their earnest attempt to write a pilot episode for a serious science fiction TV or streaming series. Here's a snippet from their first episode, where the three writers are spitballing ideas for what the core of the show might be about. Goodbye, Moon. There's an asteroid going to hit the moon, and it's going to obliterate the moon, and they need, some, they need this company to stop it. And that's going to happen in 20 years. Okay. So this company gets this contract to stop this asteroid hitting the moon. So we follow the CEO and that company as they prepare and fail. So the asteroid hits the moon, and it destroys the moon. Now, it doesn't destroy the planet. It just like creates a ring of like debris around the planet. It, it, the wobble of the Earth goes wonky. Seasons get fucked up. The tides are no more. We don't have a moon um, uh. We had a ton of ideas. Probably too many. We can't play them all, but trust me, some just didn't measure up. I also had this idea where a place where nobody dies. Like we cured we cured death. Yeah. And then the old people just pile up and they become like feral and they walk through the streets. Is this the same <laughs> they idea? Kill people. Kinda. It just right. the idea of like wild wild west. Yeah. Right. Like and then um, there's like a, there's a problem with stampedes, either old people or horses. <laughs> and from the ideas we liked, none of them really grabbed us. So we remember Jem's advice. I'll jot down all these ideas, but I don't really start working on them until I can find like a hook. She said she can tell an idea is good when she figures out who the protagonist is, what their journey is, and why it's different. And protagonist-wise, what are we thinking? We looked at some of our pitches to see if a protagonist would emerge. So who would be a good protagonist for the sports reporter idea? For me, the protagonist is the sports reporter. <laughs> Newsflash. Uh, trying to make a name for themselves. Maybe Red Rover. Okay, so I think the protagonist would be um, the person who is not necessarily in charge of the settlement that's on Mars, but is in charge Well, of- obviously, Gleebop is the star of this obviously. one. Obviously. And what's really- It was a good exercise, but nothing really sparked us. So we decided to keep pitching ideas. And Mark came to the table with a really fun concept about trying to reach a distant planet using something called a generational ship. And that is when you put up somebody on a, uh, you put like a group of people on a spaceship and then they have kids and then those kids have kids. And by the time they're like the grandchildren, great grandchildren, those are the people that arrive at the destination. So you have like generations of people mm-hmm. dying off. In this one, there'd be two ships. They're flown separately. They're not to touch each other. Right. The offspring of these ships are going to be the seedlings of the planet they're reaching. So they have to maintain complete autonomy on the ship. And then so something happens. One of them breaks down and they have to like in space, like intermingle. The show would take place at the 11th hour in the middle of space, whatever this like the 
17th generation in to the voyage, and then something goes wrong. They're off the plan. They're off the plan. Mm -hmm. Just like you're a little off the mic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're off the plan. Yeah. And with the room settled and everyone in a good sci-fi frame of mind, it finally felt like the right time to share my water idea. Okay, so this one is... So there's some scientists believe that humans actually had an aquatic stage of development. And that's why there's some of these curious characteristics of, like, hairlessness Mm. and uh, the buoyancy of human breasts. And so (laughs) it's part of the science. Okay. A little bit of laughter, but that's fine. It's part of the science. Um, But, like, so imagine, like, dolphins and whales, they were all on land. And then they went into the water and they became water creatures. So imagine 2021, humans have developed aquatically. So we don't breathe. We're still mammals, but we're like dolphin people. Mm -hmm. And now we're coming up on land to explore the land the way we explore the water. Right. So where does merpeople factor into this? We are kind of our merpeople. We're like more merpeople, but instead of being half fish, we're like half dolphin. Yeah, we're more dolphin because we'd be like, what would that look like? I don't know. Well, we would be full dolphin. Like, except, like, so we'd probably still right? talk. So, like, for the purpose oh, we of the show, we still talk, talk oh, okay. so we wouldn't be like, well, ah, 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 ah. maybe we do that a little bit. All right. They're asking questions. That's good. That means they're intrigued. Would, they want to know more. Kind of like but that. we would just talk in water to each other. <laughs> we probably have to have some sort of like, <laughs> well, but, like, yeah, so like, but like the technology has evolved along with us. So we right. are like 2021 20, humans, but we're just water humans. Mm hmm. I didn't have all the answers, but I'm pretty good at thinking on my feet. And they would have like shops, like, they would yeah. have. Yeah, Every, everything you got on land, you got in water. So people go to the land for, like, a vacation? Maybe. But then the laugh started coming. Like, is there any conflict, or is it just... Tons of conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, with, with the studio. Uh. <laughs> and if we're trying to come up with a non-comedy premise, then the idea that got the biggest laugh is probably not the idea that's going to get chosen. But what even is a good idea? With all of these ideas to choose from, we're going to need some more help. During their eight-episode effort, the writers call on some well-known folks to get some advice, like science know-how from Neil deGrasse Tyson and story structure from Rain Wilson. That's Let's Write a Sci-Fi, and you can find it pretty much everywhere. Soundcasts are streaming or downloading. Up next, a word from our sponsor, Henderson's Pants, and they're brand new. Well, they're not really brand new. They're several years old, and they're available on shelves right now, or they would be if this wasn't completely fictional. They're scavenger slacks. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here with some awesome news from the good folk at Henderson's Pants. They are finally all aboard the recycling bandwagon. That's right. You know, it took a while, but all of your cards, letters, and court injunctions finally caught the attention of old man Henderson, and he's vowed to give up his resource-gobbling habit the same way he puts on his new Henderson scavenger slacks, one leg at a time. The material for these new dress pants is as varied as there are days in a year. That's because Henderson's dumpster diving legions are out there right now, rag picking every scrap of discarded cloth they can find, whether it's denim, corduroys, burlap, hemp, cotton, twill, or even in some cases, aluminum foil. They're popping it into their collection sacks and scurrying back to Henderson's main factory in Lenexa, Kansas. 
Once there, Henderson's Panskateers work their magic and combine all that cloth into pairs and pairs of trousery wonder. Uh, I'm sorry, pairs and pairs of trouser wondery. That's better. Originally designed for middle-aged court jesters, professional golfers, and your Uncle Ned. Henderson scavenger slacks are going to be all the rage if the company can ever afford to once again gas up their fleet of delivery trucks. That's Henderson's makers of buckled swashes and jerkin gherkins since 1347. And now back to Succotash. Actor Sean Hayes, who you know from TV's Will and Grace and from Soundcasting's Smartless, is a bit of a hypochondriac as it turns out, but he has parlayed his crownless fears and obsession with maladies into a soundcast that he co-hosts with Dr. Priyanka Wali, a legit doctor and comedian, to delve into the sick side of life. In what has to be considered a pretty good get for a soundcast guest, Sean pulls in pal Robert Downey Jr. for last week's episode. They talk about a lot of stuff in just under an hour, like Downey's penchant for Wing Chun Kung Fu, his thoughts on Iron Man's final words in Avengers Endgame, and his cat scratch fever. You'll have to grab the download of the whole episode for a couple of those topics, but our clip does start to get into the whole Kung Fu thing. Now listen, a lot of people don't know this, or maybe they do, but I think it's so great. You box, and you're in incredible shape. Good God, I can't imagine... The I can't imagine making a fist strong enough to hold my penis for a long amount of time. I can't imagine <laughs> having enough strength to even slap Scotty. It takes endurance. It takes strength. You're in like in the best shape. What do you love about it? Uh, well, first of all, what I practice is called Wing Chun Kung Fu, mm-hmm. uh, okay. developed by a uh, Buddhist nun named Ung Mui in mm-hmm. the early 18th century. Uh mm-hmm. And it is an amazing healing martial art while also being uh, very good for self-defense. Oh, wow. How were you introduced to that? Uh, About 20 years ago, I drove by an academy and I thought, oh, I think Bruce Lee started out with Wing Chun. I can do that. (laughs) Wait a minute. Is that where the band name comes from? Well, Wang Chun Wang Chung is yeah. the band. Oh, Wing there's... Chun is the oh. martial art. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. By the way, you'd love it because unlike many other martial arts, the learning curve is not so rough. You know what? Mm. You th- you think you're thinking I'm joking, but I'm swear to God I'm writing this down because because of you. It does. So- you always speak so highly of it, and it sounds kind of it sounds hard, but it sounds fun. Yeah. What exactly do you think it does for you in terms of connecting to your body? Uh, because you do everything out of both stances, either uh, orthodox or southpaw. You're constantly uh-huh. having to use left brain, right brain. Mm-hmm. And how long do you do it for? Like 10 minutes, an hour, what? Uh, yeah, until Sifu, instructor, teacher, until he says the class is done. There's different kinds of martial arts. Uh, some people would say Krav Maga is really easy to build, easy to use. Mm-hmm. MMA, uh, difficult to build, sometimes difficult to use, and there's a lot of rules mm-hmm. that uh, shouldn't come into be factored if you're talking about self-defense. And then Wing Chun falls into the category of very difficult to build and very easy to use. Wow. wow. Interesting. That is yeah. interesting. Can I go to one of your classes? Could you imagine? I would, we would love to have you. Oh my God, I would love that. You too, Priyanka. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> Definitely worth auditing, and yeah. it's a really nice uh, mix of folks. Can I take it on pass fail? <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to audit the class, I don't want to be graded. Him. I just want to pass fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, doctor, the real thing is it really is brain training. Uh-huh. And then it's kind of like it's like a very formidable Tai Chi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I found that I use it more than anything. If I'm getting ready to do a scene, if I don't mm-hmm. have any time, I'll just do the warm up. And then there's a lot of qigong, mm-hmm. a lot of moving uh, meditations in it that are just amazing for uh, for regeneration and kind of self healing and mm-hmm. again neuroplasticity, all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's fantastic. Oh my god, yeah, Pri- you're talking really, Priyanka's language. Great. That's yeah, everything no, I'm you're all for. About that. Yeah. yeah, look at her go. Jeez. Now this is the other thing. You have the best kids, and the sign of great kids is great parenting. How does your nanny do it? (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) No, truly, you guys are incredible parents. Every time I see your kids, they are just gorgeously fantastic. They're like normal, good, great, polite, funny, engaging kids. I'll say twofold. First of all, as we all know, anyone under 12 who's in a developmental phase, you know, any one of them, right? One to three, two to five, five to eight. Yeah. And then the prefrontal cortex is almost done between eight and 11. It's like Mm -hmm. having to have dealt with the pandemic, Mm. I think has, uh, it's brought a lot of things to light. And I think that um, certain parenting styles or certain forget if it's socioeconomic or just how nature versus nurture. I think some kids have been able to thrive. Others, it will wind up being a time of trauma. But I think for any and all of them, it's it's a little bit of getting used to trusting the fact that there are large outside forces that are creating what could be considered a a fearful context for for life in general. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think fortunately that was kind of normalized. I, I hand almost all of this over to their mom. She's just uh, she's just a natural. I love that woman. A natural, yeah. She's Susan Downey is the greatest. That's hypochondriactor. Yeah, almost as hard to spell as succotash. Lots of big name guests, lots of crazy illnesses, and the history and mystery that surrounds them both. Available wherever fine soundcasts can be found. If you needed a starting place to look for this show or any of the soundcasts featured on Succotash, look no further than our home site. As I said earlier, at SuccotashShow.com, we have episode and social media links for the shows and the people who host and appear in them as featured right here. If you like creepy, cryptid-based, spooky soundcasts, you'll have to look further than the extra mundane with Max Ward. Why? Because it's a spoof of those kinds of shows. A bit in the vein of My Neighbors Are Dead, this show rips the veil away from the supernatural to reveal, well, like the title says, the extra mundane. Host Max Ward is voiced by Dan Kazoo. Is that how that's pronounced? Kazoo? It's the first time I tried to say it out loud. He's a writer of fictional nonfiction for places like McSweeney's, The Hard Times, and The Infinite World's and other sites. Our clip comes from episode six, The Woman Who Raised Bigfoot, where Max tracks down and interviews uh, the woman, L. Melisetti, who raised Bigfoot, or a Bigfoot, who was left on her porch as a baby in 1964. 
Welcome, you oglers of the outlandish, you voyeurs of the vexing, you keepers of the kooky. This is the Extra Mundane with Max Ward. I am Max Ward. Tonight in the show, there's no other way I can put it. It's the woman who claims to have raised Bigfoot. Uh, she only goes by the letter L. She says her name is L. Malisette. Uh, and she says that in 1964, she found a baby Bigfoot at her doorstep. And uh, we're, this is her first uh, interview since an article in 2014 uh, where she talks about raising a bookfoot. Welcome to the show, Elle. Well, hello. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You do not give a lot of interviews. Well, I've, I've, I've never been on a podcast before. I've never even listened to a podcast before. So this is very exciting. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Are you comfortable? Are you, are you ready to tell your story? I, I am. I am ready to tell my story. Um, well, that's fantastic. Let's, let's get right into it. So you claim that in 1964, in the swamps of Louisiana, where you live, you found a, a hairless baby Bigfoot at your doorstep. Yes, he was hairless at the, at the time. Yes, he was, he, was, he was quite small, no bigger than a German shepherd. And um, he did, although the hair did grow very quickly. It did. Okay. So it wasn't hairless for long. No, I would say after, I would say after about two months together, he did oh. begin to grow very coarse black hair all over his, all over his body. Yes. Wow. And so do you think that it was bald from, from being born? Like babies are born without hair on their head or was it shaved? Do you, do you know where the hair, why it was hairless? I, I have to think that perhaps um, perhaps maybe it was his diet. Like maybe he was not oh. being, wasn't getting the right nutrition. Did he look, did he look um, sickly? I'm sorry, was it a he? We, we always assume Bigfoot is a male, but was it a he? It, yes, it, it was, yes. Okay, um, okay. We, it was a he, I did eventually, I, I did eventually name him Michael. Michael, interesting. Yes. Why Michael? Where did, is that a family name? Where did that come from? Well, um, it is a family name. Uh, my grandfather and mm -hmm. my father, both Michael. Michael um, Malisetti, huh? That's right. Um, and I just, I thought perhaps giving him a family name would make him feel a little bit more part of our family. Oh. And maybe he'd feel like maybe he could fit in a little bit better. That's really interesting. Did he take to you right away? Did he feel a familial bond with you? You know what? Um, it was like something in my life had been missing all that time. Oh, okay. You know? um, I hadn't been living in Louisiana very long. I had. Oh, I did not know. Okay. What What yeah. made you move to to all by yourself to the middle of nowhere in a swamp in Louisiana? <laughs> well, two things. One, mm -hmm. the divorce, and oh. two. Uh, I had inherited the property. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your divorce, even though it was. Oh, it was a, quite long, a time, long time ago. Quite a long time ago, but. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you, you decided to become your, your own woman, a self-sufficient woman and move and move to this property you inherited. How long were you there before yes. the Bigfoot uh, arrived? Well, uh, I would say it wasn't long, actually. It was like it was meant to be. I had only really, I barely unpacked. I had only been there a couple oh. of days when I heard this sort of, uh, it was something between a cry and something between a growl. Oh, okay. Can, can you do an impersonation? Can you, can you give us a sound of what it- I can't. It was, okay, it was please. A, like a little- 
what, did that scare you? That sounds unnerving. It was terrifying. Oh, I, I thought it was perhaps a gang of cats. I don't know if you've ever met swamp cats. I, I've never, never met a swamp cat. They can be very aggressive. Wow, okay. Are they the same size as normal cats or are they bigger down They're there? They're bigger because the rats are bigger. Oh, that makes sense. That Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so you, you think you hear cats outside, swamp cats outside. Yes. And so you go out and, and what do you think you see at first? Well, uh, I saw this, like I said, he was about the size of a German shepherd. Okay, Hairless. so big, big for a baby. If you, if you, did you think it was a baby right. left at your doorstep Not at first? Not big for a big foot. He did get a, a fully grown. He was about seven or eight, about eight feet. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that eight is. Feet. Yes. Yes. El Melisetti in that clip was voiced by Nicole Kemper. And it appears that there are only six episodes of the extra mundane out so far. And maybe ever seeing as that one dropped in July of 2021. So it may not be so easy to track the show down unless you start at podbean.com, which is apparently the show's home. Big thanks to Dr. London Smith of the Jock Doc Podcast for turning me onto that rare gem. That's it for the clips, but I can't believe we actually got a call to the Succotash and Runaway Truck Ramp hotline this past week. It's been months Came in on Saturday at 1.10 in the afternoon from an 818 number, which places it in the Los Angeles area. I'm not sure if this is someone with a message about their favorite soundcast or a status report from one of Southern California's runaway truck ramps. So let's give it a listen. Uh, Joe Polino, our engineer, is on a break at the moment. So, Kenny Durgis, booth assistant, please hit play on that one one more time, okay? Hmm. Wrong number, I guess. Oh, well. If you want to give us a jingle and actually talk after the tone, call anytime to our toll full hotline at 1-818-921-7212. Last bit of business before we shut her down for this episode is to throw open the tweet sack and give shout outs to the folks who tossed in a mention of at Succotash show in the past week or so in their social media. Misfit Scully, the Jock Doc podcast, as I just mentioned. Mikey Whack Brackets, Dear Earth, I'm Really Sorry. 929, Mono Agapian, Multiverse of Badness, Hunter Block, Combat Radio, I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam, Silver Screen Savers Podcast, Unearth Gems Pod, Fascination Street, Blood and Black Rum Podcast, Death by DVD, Making Nerds Cringe, D-Head Factor, The Center Cut Cast, Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast, Married Crazy and Podcast, Salty Language Pod, Matt Knudsen, running that marathon in LA this week. So uh, good luck, Matt. Venky Nanny 143, Phil Lairness, Sensibly Cynical, Kara Tramontano, Lady Killers Phil, Paige Branson, and the Let's Chat Podcast. Well, friend, there it is then. 
Episode 295 is stocked, cocked, and locked. I don't know if that's actually a thing. I do know that my cohort in Soundcasts, Tyson Saner, will be right here in this very feed next week, hosting episode 296. So, so close to Epi 300 that we can taste it. And next month is this show's 11th anniversary in Soundcasting. Some folks said it shouldn't be done. Some folks said it couldn't be done. A lot more folks said, what is that show called again? Followed immediately by, how the hell do you spell succotash? Just remember S-U-C-C-O, the sucko part, and you'll be able to Google the crap out of us. Thanks once again to Dan St. Paul for letting us try out one of the slices from his blog. We're hoping to try out another one next time I'm here in episode 297. Until you deign to hit us up again, won't you please keep yourself and those around you as healthy as you can, brush after every meal, be nice to each other, and the next time you're buzzed by a low-flying crop duster and the pilot yells down to you, have you heard anything good lately? Won't you please pass the succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.